From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Conditions remain dry across southeast Alaska and temperatures will rise to the upper 70s across much of the region over the next few days. That's according to meteorologist Rick Fritsch with the National Weather Service office in Juneau. Uh, what we're focusing on and highlighting is the warmer than normal temperatures that the specifically the northern half of the panhandle is going to be seeing for the balance of this week and the very dry or relatively dry relative humidity values that go on to that. The Weather Service had issued a special weather statement warning of an increased fire risk for the southeast region. Fritch said, though, that not all the ingredients are there to make it an advisory. Well, we're focusing on the, the increased risk of fires with this rather than what we call a red flag um, statement or advisory because of the three ingredients that you need for this thing called a red flag, uh, dry air and warm temperatures and um, wind speeds, and that is what we're lacking. We are still forecasting fairly light winds for the rest of this week, although we are looking at temperatures that are going to be in the mid to upper 70s. Juno Fire Marshal Dan Jagger spoke to News of the North about how to stay safe with these warm temperatures. This is what Jagger says residents need to do. Heed the warning. Um, a lot of times we have these kind of conditions in the past. We've had a number of people that get upset that, oh, we live in a rainforest, there's nothing to be concerned about. But in reality, there, there really is. Um, the Weather Service, they're very good at predicting what the weather patterns are, especially when it comes to fire danger in the summertime. And so while we've had a stretch of warm, dry weather, uh, the concern we have with that is not only because it's warm and, and hot out, it's drying out the grasses and the brush and, and anything other vegetative covering, but it's also lowering the relative humidity, and that's really the key element that we're looking at for fire danger. The lack of humidity, not just the heat, is an issue, Jagger says. So once the relative humidity gets down to about 30%, that that tells us that we have some uh, fire conditions we definitely need to be aware of because as that number gets lower, it becomes easier to ignite the, the grasses and the brush and vegetation. And when those ignite, uh, they can travel really fast, especially if we have any kind of a breeze or a wind, regardless of how fast or how strong the, it might be um, going. So the biggest thing is to realize that, you know, there's a reason why these warnings are out, and we just ask people to use extreme caution when they see these warnings. Jagger says don't burn unless you must, but added this. If you must, we just ask that not only do you have a permit for open burns, but you have an adequate water supply readily available just in case something gets out of control. Um, have hand tools nearby, shovels and rakes, that if you need to use dirt and other material, to help smother the fire and have a cell phone readily available to call 911. That's that's really what we're asking people to do. If you don't have to burn, please don't. Uh, but if you do, use extreme caution. Keep the fires as small as possible, um, and just be aware of you know your actions. It, it might be accidental, but if you're burning when you shouldn't be, or you do something that's um, care considered careless, there could be consequences. There could be fines. There could be criminal charges. All residents are encouraged to be mindful of the dry and warm conditions during the remainder of this week. In other matters, there's an update to the residential structure fire that occurred Monday morning. The fire, which CCFR was called to respond to at 5.11 Monday morning, was at the 4,000 block of Mendenhall Boulevard. Fire Marshal Jagger gave an update on the blaze. 
The house fire that happened Monday morning, we're still um, we're still trying to wrap up the investigation. There's no definitive actual cause for it right now. However, it's looking to be likely an electrical uh, problem with the home. It was built back in 1961, so they had original wiring, and it had an extension cord plugged into a, a wall outlet receptacle, which went into another room. There was a... Um, a timing device that was used that had other things plugged into it. So we don't know if there was a failure from the timer not shutting off the appliances that were in use and continuing to have them be energized, or if there was an overloading of the um, wiring circuit itself, which ended up causing a failure, uh, or the extension cord that was used itself, if it was damaged or if it was a uh, smaller gauge wire than was recommended for the draw. Those are the, the, the main things that we're looking at right now. And gave this advice on keeping your house safe if you have older wiring. The best recommendation is to call an electrician and have them come by and do an actual evaluation of what they have. They can tell whether the wiring is, you know, the old style, if it's new, if there's any kind of electrical upgrades that are required because their panel needs to have more breakers and circuits put in for the home's current use today compared to when it was built. They can give that kind of expert advice. The other thing is to be aware of how many appliances people are plugging into, not only the outlets, but surge protectors or um, power strips. The more things you can plug in doesn't necessarily mean that they're all going to operate at the same time if, if that's what you're trying to do. So you might have to pick and choose which appliances you can use for different outlets, so that way, again, you're not overdrawing the current through that. They said the home is a total loss and was insured. The loss is estimated at about $350,000. Progress is being made on developing a new city election center that the Assembly passed a resolution on last summer. Katie Kester is the CBJ Engineering Director. She says the project at the city-owned Thane Warehouse is moving forward. The project for the uh, vote-by-mail center out of the Thane Warehouse is on schedule, and construction should be complete by July. Uh, we have two voting units on order that'll be uh, here the uh, second and third week of July, and then the clerk's office will begin training so that everything will be up and ready for election season. There is a couple uh, issues with tempered glass that may take uh, a little bit longer than we'd like to get here, but nothing that'll slow the project down. So uh, looking forward to getting that up and running in time for election season. That's City and Borough of Juneau Engineering Director Katie Kester. The Huna City Council requests an investigation of Mayor Gerald Byers and the City Administrator Dennis Gray over allegations of improper access to closed-circuit video cameras located at the Huna Department of Public Safety. In a memo dated May 10, 2022, Huna City Attorney James Sheehan states he was asked by the Council to review whether Byers and Gray access the cameras, which are managed by the City's Internet provider. The document states that, in April, Huna Police Chief Eric Hurtado made a request to the City Council to look into the matter. According to Sheehan, he found no wrongdoing on part of Byers or Gray, and that no disciplinary action was merited. You can read the whole story and see the memo at KINYradio.com. The biannual event celebration, an event bringing together clans from Southeast Alaska and beyond, is next week. Sea Alaska Heritage will hold an in-person celebration in Juneau from June 8th to the 11th. 1,200 dancers will be performing at the Centennial Hall, the Elizabeth Pratrovich Hall, and on the Sea Alaska Arts Campus. 
The theme this year is celebrating 10,000 years of cultural survival. See Alaska Heritage President Rosita Worrell said on Action Line, it just seemed appropriate. During our tenure, our, our occupancy in, in southeast Alaska, we've endured many challenges, you know, including climate change associated with various glacial advances and retreats. Uh, we've survived pandemics that arrived with immigrants. Uh, we survived a period of ugly history in which our culture was suppressed. And more recently, the COVID pandemic. But through all of these changes, we survived and we prospered. And it just seemed like an appropriate theme for this year's celebration. On June 7th, the landing of the canoes will take place. The Aquan have stepped up to organize the canoe um, activities. And they, they will have the canoe journey landing at uh, on June 7th, as you noted, uh, beginning, at think, at 6 p.m. But, of course, that's dependent on uh, the tide. So watch the tide books. But right now they're saying it'll start at 6. It'll be at the Auk uh, Recreation Area and uh, go to the Raven Eagle, Raven and Eagle Shelter. On June 8th at noon, Sea Alaska will hold a grand opening of their new arts center. And later that day at 6 p.m., the grand entrance will take place. On June 9th and 10th, dance performances will take place from 10.45 a.m. to 9.40 p.m. World said masking and proof of vaccination will be required. Protecting our people and maintaining the highest level of safety that we are able to achieve, that's our goal. And so what we are requiring, you will have to have a vaccine for those who are over five. You're going to have to wear a mask for those over three. And then we'll also have temperature checks at all of the uh, uh, entryways. And added that they have created a mitigation plan. The safety of our participants is a priority for us. And we have developed uh, what we think is a thorough uh, mitigation plan and we've actually worked with the state's uh, Plan Safer Events Office. So we want to people to come to celebration, and we are trying to ensure the best uh, safety environment that we can. But join us in celebrating our culture. On June 11th, a parade will be held from Juneau Public Library to Centennial Hall. Dance performances will be from 1 to 4 p.m., and the celebration closeout will be later that day at 5 p.m. Celebration will be broadcasted on statewide TV through KTOO and a live stream through Sea Alaska Heritage's YouTube channel. Links can be found on the Sea Alaska Heritage Institute's website and their Facebook page. Clicken and Haida held a virtual Native Issues Congressional Candidate Forum last week. Candidates Emil Nadi, Laurel Foster, Mary Patola, and Tara Sweeney took part in the forum. Each of the candidates were asked by moderator Jackie Peta why they're running. Nadi says he is running on both Alaskan and national issues. There are some issues. There are national issues and Alaska issues. On the national scene, I'm worried about or I want to speak out against uh, big money in politics. I want to speak out uh, for the environment, to act on the environment. I want to speak out on our military because I think we're in very treacherous times worldwide. And uh, on, on the Alaska scene, I started something 50 years ago, and I'd like to f work on it to finish it, and that's getting complete the 
land that villages didn't get. And I'd like to work. Land claims is not done until we finish up. Sweeney says she could provide leadership in the nation's capital. I'm running because Alaska needs effective leadership in Washington, D.C. And my professional experience uh, in the private sector, along with my public sector service, certainly, uh, in my opinion, makes me the best equipped to serve Alaska in D.C. Uh, we're embarking on a new chapter with our congressional delegation, and uh, Alaska needs a leader that uh, has the ability to work with uh, the other members of Congress to build those bridges, to build the networks necessary. As one member out of 435, uh, we absolutely need those brand ambassadors for our state to help carry the Alaska agenda forward. Foster says her run is based on her knowledge of issues and her experience in rural Alaska. I care deeply for my state and the people that live here. I have an understanding of what it's like to live in rural Alaska as long as as well as what it's like to live in urban areas of Alaska and understand that uh, they are completely uh, different uh, ways of living. And it's important that our representatives are aware of that and uh, that also our, our uh, representatives and our leadership reflect the diversity within our state. I understand both the, the rich cultural environment within the rural community and quite frankly, a one-size-fits-all policy approach is not appropriate for such a diverse state that we live in. And Patola says she is running on many issues, including the landless tribes of Southeast. I am in support, strong support of the landless tribes in Southeast. That's been an ongoing issue for too many generations. And I'm thankful that Don Young was a champion of making sure that the landless tribes um, were allocated the few acres and the total, you know, in the considering how big the Tongas is, we're really talking about not very many acres for the original people from those communities. Um, I um, also am in support of lands into trust. I would work with the Department of Interior to try to get the timeline from an average of three years down to a 12-month time frame. I think that's much more appropriate. Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy's office has entered a contract with a former Dunleavy aide for up to $50,000 in part to advise the administration on what legal fights to pursue against the federal government. The contract with Strategic Synergies LLC was signed in April and released by Dunleavy's office last week. Brett Huber is listed on the contract as the firm's sole owner. The contract period is for April 25th through October 24th. A Dunleavy spokesperson says Huber left work in state government last month. He had been working with the administration as an advisor for statehood defense. The judge who presided over Sarah Palin's libel case against the New York Times says she failed to introduce even a speck of evidence necessary to prove actual malice. Federal Judge Jed Rakoff made the assertion in a written decision yesterday as he rejected post-trial claims from Palin's lawyers. Her attorneys had asked the judge to grant a new trial or disqualify himself as biased against Palin. But Rakoff wrote that regardless of her post-trial motions, Palin wasn't able to deliver evidence that even remotely supported her defamation claim. Palin's lawyers declined comment from the Associated Press Tuesday. Alaska Airlines says to expect more delays. ABC's Gio Benitez reports. 
Some airlines reducing the number of total flights in hopes of preventing meltdowns. Alaska Airlines telling customers to expect more cancellations, saying in a statement, even though we reduced our total flights through the end of June, it takes some time for a complex operation to turn the corner. But no matter how many planes are in the air, experts believe the overwhelming majority will be packed. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.